Thank you. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Hold up, hold up, can't slow down. Know what, know what, I'm on now. You must not heard about me. Why do they always doubt me? I'm ready. It's showtime, y'all ready. It's showtime, keep going like there's no time. Spit more rhymes, spit more rhymes. Wednesday, October the 3rd, and this is Showtime Sports Talk featuring Welch and Suggs. And on today's football talk, we're going to talk a little bit of what we thought from this past weekend, what we think going forward, college, NFL. Um, to start it all off, we're going to do our top takeaways from college football after one month. It makes me a little bit sad when you say that. You know, we're one month into college football. I mean, we're one month of it being away. But, you know, going that first month, there was a lot to happen in that first month. There was a lot of things that I think that shocked us that we didn't see, and there were a lot of things that we saw that uh, didn't shock us. And namely, we're going to start off with the, the biggest thing that didn't shock, shock us, and that was Alabama's dominance through one month of September, one, one month of September through the month of September. They uh, they came in. I mean, first of all, it's Alabama, so they're playing some teams that they should easily beat. But they looked really good in beating those teams. They, they didn't just look really good. They they look like a team on a mission. Um, like like I said in our test run, um, it's not just dominance. It's more like a destruction course they're on. It's it seems like every time somebody comes up to play them, they're like, hey, I hate you. We're gonna beat you. You're not gonna have a chance in this game. And it, it just seems even more of. It, and seriously, I don't even I can't even call it dominance. It just seems like more destruction than they've ever had. But they've been they've been successful for so many years. They've been successful through the running game and playing defense because every position they're just so much more talented than everybody else. But now they have you know now they have that missing piece that they've missed. And I'm not saying they've had some bad quarterbacks, but they've mostly had average to decent at best quarterbacks. You know when you make it to the college football playoff with Blake Sims, uh, that's saying something. Well now you got a guy that's they can really throw it, they can really fling it, they can really get it to those five-star receivers and that's another thing in the past it's always been it was either Julio or it was Mark Cooper or it was Calvin Ridley now it's I mean there's not one guy it's multiple guys and that just makes them more dangerous so looking at it right now they're the team to beat and it, it really makes you wonder is there a team that can beat them I mean I, w- I without a doubt believe everything you just said I don't I, in my opinion, I don't think there's a team out there that can beat them. I don't think there's another team out there that's together as a whole whole unit as they are. But um, I guess we both kind of agreed on our takeaways so far was both of us had Alabama number one. That's number one on my sheet, too. Uh, uh, and number two, my only other thing that was the thing that didn't shock me at the moment that I have on my list is the Pac-12 sucks. They're by far the worst conference in the Power Five. Really, in my opinion, only one good team out of that conference. Uh, Stanford was supposed to be a good team this year. They just got railed by Notre Dame this past week. They didn't. I don't even think Notre Dame's that great of a team. They did not look good. USC doesn't look good. UCLA does definitely not look going to look good. Oregon. I mean, other than Washington, there's not really any good teams. I, I think Washington's a good team. But I don't think they're great. And so, I easily they're not going to make the college football playoff. I'm. I'm, I'm, I would almost put money on it if I was a betting person, which I'm not. But I'm a betting person, and I'll, I'll put money on it. <laughs> um, but, but with that being said, I guess that's where we're going to start differing in our, in our schedule for the day. Um, my number two, it shocked me. Uh, the whole situation shocked me. It's a new college football free agency we have going on. 
that that's an absolute game changer. I don't think that was something that was foreseen. I think with the new redshirt rule being brought in, it was seen as more of a, a benefit teams where yeah. they could play some freshmen and get to and get them to see some playing time and see if they were going to be able to contribute this and year or if they could get a redshirt. This whole free agency thing that's happened, I think, was something that was unforeseen, but it's here now. And basically, that that after those four games, that's basically the new trade deadline. Like you have in professional sports, we have a trade deadline in college football now. And to me, that's just out of this world. Like, there shouldn't be that much responsibility of a player to have to keep in mind. I, I, I don't agree with the whole thing and aspect that it's turned into. I, I originally thought it was going to be good, as you said, for freshmen coming in, you know, getting to see if they need to play or not. But now, uh, especially after the Kelly Bryant incident, this whole which scenario. Kind of, which kind of leads me into my my thing that shocked me, and that is uh, Kelly Bryant's gone, which is, isn't that shocking. But what is shocking is, is that Kelly Bryant is gone and Jalen Hurts isn't. Okay, if you would have told me back in the summer when Jalen Hurts gave that interview that he gave, and he basically was real with the, the reporters, and he said that, you know, he didn't like the way that the whole situation had gone down. If you had told me that – by the end of September, Jalen Hurts would still be at Alabama. Not only would he still be at Alabama, but he would not be redshirting. He's not redshirting at all. And Kelly Bryant would be gone. I would not have believed you. Um, see, my, my next thing on there would be Ohio State is the only chance at a title the Big Ten has left. I mean, I would have never thought that. I, I just thought there was going to be other teams out there. And I didn't think Ohio State was going to be as good of a team this year. To, to keep it going. But. Well, I mean, you knew going in that game, you knew how I felt. I felt that Ohio State-Penn State game was the de facto Big Ten championship. And it definitely was. And I don't – it's Ohio State's lead delusion. Now, they can definitely slip up. You know, last year I felt that they had an easy patch of the playoff after beating Penn State, and they go out and they lose to uh, – I can't remember who it was, Iowa. They lost to Iowa by by a large number of points, so they could definitely slip up. But right now I don't – you know, if they play like they're capable of playing, I don't see them slipping up. And, uh, okay, so with that – the next thing that I have down um, kind of hurts me to talk about. I think it's, I think it's, I think we both got the same. Thing I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. I have Nebraska's worse than I could have ever imagined under Frost, but mainly because I believe Scott Frost is a great coach, I do and I do understand Nebraska was already in a bad place. But I, I really expected him to come in there and at least get five, six wins this year. But right now, I mean, I honestly, if they get one, I'm one, two wins. That, that's kind of a win for them at this point because it looks bad. But as an, if, if you're a Nebraska fan, though, knowing what the program was like with Scott Frost coming in, would you? I'm not I mean, blaming. Do you, do you feel? Do you feel displeased right now? I'm not displeased with Frost in general because I do believe he's working his hardest to try to get the program turned around. I'm just displeased in general in Nebraska. I mean, it's hard to believe that. The way Nebraska has come, you know, from so long ago. And Tom Osborne, and I know this probably sounds weird because I'm just 22, and he actually retired just a couple years after I was born. But Tom Osborne being one of my favorite coaches that, you know, I really liked what he did with Nebraska. He takes a, he took a program that's done get rich talent, and he made them so dominant for so long. So it's hard, it's, it's hard to see from where that Nebraska team was back in the 90s to where they've come now. So what's next on your list? Well, my next on my list kind of leads into our. We're going to start here. And it's going to lead into our next topic. But next on my list is Auburn's run problems. Well, before you get into that, let me just go ahead and mention one, just because we won't get back into this topic again for a while. Um, mine's Kentucky, and I, most people they would have that on there as their biggest surprise. 
so far takeaway. Um, for me, that was kind of my, I expected it. Uh, I, I talked about it all offseason with people. You know, I've, I've watched it pretty good, watched them in the past, and I do believe they have one of the best offensive line groups in the nation. Well, not only that, I got to look at the stats today, coming up with notes for this, and um, their defense is amazing. Um, they have one of the best defenses I've seen in a long time. Um, right now, they're averaging 12 points per game given up. I mean, that's that's great. I do believe they have a test coming up this week, and I'll get into that later. But in my mind, I think that was one of my biggest takeaways is finally people are starting to realize that, hey, I wasn't wrong, and, hey, Kentucky's kind of here. So with that being said, I'll let you get back into your Auburn. And, yeah, and you have you make a great point, Kentucky. We're going to get a little bit into Kentucky a little bit later, but right now we're talking about Auburn, Auburn's run problems, and it's something that – under, especially under Gus Malzahn that I never thought I would see. We're talking about a school that's had a 1,000-yard rusher every year since 2009. I think it's 11 total because they had a couple of years where they had more than one. You know, and it always seemed – it was never really – there were some high-profile guys. There was Carryon Johnson. There was a few other guys. But some of the – a lot of these were three stars. Trey Mason. I mean, you had Cam Petway that wasn't even recruited as a running back. He was a fullback that they had converted. It just seemed like who, no matter who that they plugged into their run game, they were going to get a fix. And it's just baffling to me to watch it. And it's – not only is it not working right now, it seems to be digressing from that first game. And so I still think they can get it fixed, and I still think they might. But – I would have, if you would have told me that after one month we would still be talking about here at Ken Auburn final run game, I wouldn't have believed you. I really, honestly, I, I would sit here and try to talk something about that. Um, but I just, as an Auburn fan, it's hard for me to watch football right now in Auburn play. But um, that kind of, like you said, led us into our next topic. Um, can Auburn, Auburn salvage a championship continuing season? My personal opinion is I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's possible for them to find a way to have a championship season, um, especially with this week coming up with Mississippi State. But I'll let you get more into mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I don't feel I'm not I don't feel like it like you do. Now I feel there's a way that um, when I say can they salvage a championship season, what I mean by that is can they be in that picture when they roll in to play Alabama or when they roll in to play Georgia, and that all starts in the month of October. Can they get some things figured out? They got Mississippi State this week. Mississippi State's I mean right now Mississippi State and Auburn are probably much the same two teams. They're struggling on offense. They have a great defense. Um, here, here's the thing, though. It seems like the world is falling for Auburn. It seems like the past two weeks they've played so bad and everything, but the, the, here's the thing that we're not talking about. They're still winning. They're still the number eight team in the That's country. That's true, but who, who are they winning against is kind of my I take. know, and I get that. I do. But, I mean, it could be worse. Man, so you know, and as bad as the offense is playing here, here, and I, these are some uh, stats that uh, Cole Kubler tweeted out today that I'm going to talk about. Here's how good the defense is playing. Auburn's defense has only allowed five touchdowns this season. That's the fewest in the country. They're they lead the nation in points allowed per drive at .87. That's number one. Alabama's second at nationally at .94. Their defense has only allowed one rushing touchdown this year. And that's also allowing 2.7 yards per rush. That's the best in the SEC. So their defense is playing lights out, which really gives you a chance because this month coming up, if they can get through this week with Mississippi State, you got Tennessee, you got Ole Miss, you got Bye, you've got a chance to get things right. You know, it would be one thing if this offense was playing bad and the defense was playing bad, but the defense is giving them chances to get it right. They just got to make the they've got to make the decision they're going to get it right on offense. And I, and I understand where you're coming from with that. 
but I, and I know our our main topic here was talking about can they salvage a contending season. But I'm going to kind of turn well, it right to this week. You know, and before we get to that, I, just, I would like to mention. You know, last year I, we left Auburn for dead twice last year. After the, after the Clemson game, when they played as bad as they played on offense, and then after the LSU game when they blew a 20 point lead, and we left them for dead twice. Here we, and then we get to they beat Georgia, they beat Alabama. They're in the SEC championship game. They were a few, you know, I'm not gonna say a few plays away, but they had a chance to get to the playoffs. So we've been here before. This feels a little bit different than it did last year because at least they were doing some good things on offense last year. But like I said, we've been here before. Um, so this week they've got Mississippi State. It's at Mississippi State. All right. So I've got I've wrote down some things here that I just kind of want to get into. Mississippi State's coming off two straight losses, looking to bounce back, make some of their season at home at least. So with that being said, they're already going to be playing lights out. It's at home. Are they? I, I do believe. I, I they thought will. they were going to be playing lights at, out when Dan Mullen came in, but it didn't yeah, really I look th- that I way. I thought that, and they they kept it close, thirteen to six. They it wasn't their best game. But that being said, Fister was 11 for 26 for 98 yards. But and I, I don't, don't think I mean, he can play that bad again. I, I think this week of practice, they'll get that all figured out. And especially knowing that this game's kind of there. If they lose it, their season's pretty much over. And they know that if they win it, they can kind of end it for Auburn. But then you think about, I mean, Florida's defense is, I think, it's not shabby with a. Uh, <clears throat> Um, I think it's Todd Graham at defense, playing defense, uh, defensive coordinator of Florida. I think it's Grantham. It's Grantham. He used to be at Georgia in different places, but now he's at Florida with Dan Mullen. Their defense is pretty good, but do you think their defense is as good as Auburn's? And they, and they were only able to score six points against Florida. You really I think mean, it? no, I don't think their defense is as good as Auburn's, but I also don't think Auburn's playing anywhere anybody near as good as Mississippi State is. Washington? Besides LSU, no, I, I don't think Washington was as good as Mississippi State is. Well, we disagree there. I, I know we do, but it's an SEC school. You can't tell me that Washington's as good as any SEC school. I honestly think that I can't, you can't tell me that Washington's as good as any SEC any SEC I, I school. I don't think so. I I just even I, Vanderbilt. I honestly think Vanderbilt could probably be Ole Miss. Vanderbilt almost beat Notre Dame. Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a heck of an offense. And they've got also like the worst defense. They do. They do. I, I do believe you there. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, Auburn, hey, that's your opinion. I mean, I don't. I, that's a little. That one. That one. That one gets me a little bit. But uh, that's fine. Um, but I, I don't know. Coming into this week, Auburn's the favorite. So I mean, I, I do think they can pull it out. If, if need- they play good football, if they practice this week, they fix the penalty problems. They get an offensive line. Who I, I get it. They barely played together before. I mean. How many snaps did they have? They had this offseason to play together. So, I mean, if they can get all that figured out, get just an edge of a run game. It doesn't even have to be back to where it's been, but just some run game, I think they can win. But any other way, no. I don't – I mean, to me, uh, Welsh thinks a little bit more highly of Mississippi State than I do. I don't feel like they've got to get it all figured out this week. they got to go in and find whatever it takes to win. If that's playing, if that's going back to the old 3-2 game from 2008 where they played just that deep, much deep great defense, get the win. It doesn't matter how they do it. I don't care how they do it. Get the win because this is your test. Then you got Ole Miss and Tennessee in a bye the next three weeks. I don't feel like any of those teams are really going to – I mean, obviously Ole Miss has a good offense, but I don't feel like Auburn should have a problem with any of those teams. So if you can get through this week, you've got a chance before November hits with A&M, Georgia, and Alabama. You've got a chance to get things right. Um, so with, th- with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next topic before me and Sophie get to a heated battle over here over Auburn. 
Um, so the next topic we've got is LSU versus Florida. Um, it's a huge game for LSU. It's the beginning of a very important gauntlet they have coming up. But with that being said, I hear a lot of people talking about the gauntlet they have coming up. Well, they had just got through with a semi of a gauntlet right now, you know, with Auburn and I mean, let me see who else. Who else have they played? You know, they played Miami. Really yeah, Auburn, Auburn and Miami. They made it to those games. I doubt they thought they'd make I it through that. I never one. thought they'd make it through undefeated. With those it, three exactly. Games. And so now it's kind of at the point. Okay, they've made it through one. Can they keep power and through the schedule that they've got, which just seems like the most brutal schedule I've seen in college football right now, quite honestly. They, uh, and I had them originally. I had LSU on my things from September that shot me. I decided to leave them off, but I never really would have thought they would have come. I didn't think they were going to come out of September undefeated. I really didn't think they were going to come out of it looking as good as they have. But uh, they come into Florida. It's, in the, it's at the Swamp. I say that this is a must-win game for LSU. And I'm saying that because you don't – you've got Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama, you know, in a bye the next – three out of the next four weeks. you got three games out of the next four weeks. They're really tough games. They really need to win this game. They don't need to drop this game because this is a very winnable game. Florida's much improved. And I think they can give them a game, but I don't think with Georgia, especially with Georgia and Alabama come up, you don't. You, I really don't think they need to lose this game going into Georgia. See, see, this is my thing. I think LSU's they're, they're finally looking. They finally have a chance to make a splash as a major contender again after the past few years. You know, just being off. Uh, you know, Coach O is finally trying to show everybody he deserves the job. And then the biggest thing that I see coming into this game, Florida's coming off a very emotional upset against Mississippi State at home with Dan Mullen. You know, they're trying to look to gain credibility and. I, I don't think Florida can hold off LSU after that emotional win last week. Oh, you know, uh, but here's the thing that we also have to think about. You know, it's not that Florida still controls their own. Florida is still in the thick of things in the SEC East. They got the one loss to Kentucky, which doesn't look bad now like it did at the time. You know, at least to me it didn't. But uh, – they're still in the, they're still in this race, so that that adds a little bit to it. It's not like they've got nothing to play for, but you're right. I think that uh, this is LSU's game to lose. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm thinking there's there's two really strong defensive teams. LSU's, but I'm taking you know it's really going to come down to which quarterback can make those plays. Uh, I'm going to take Joe Burrow against Florida's defense before I take. Felipe Franks against LSU's defense. Um, with that being, I think that's pretty much all we have on LSU and Florida. I, I do, in my opinion, think LSU's going to come out with a win there. I think it'll be a, a semi-close game. I think it'll be another battle, but I, I don't it, think – It always is. I can't yeah. really think of a Florida-LSU game that's not. And I just don't think Florida can – it's hard to come out and win after an emotional win like yeah, that. You know, Demon's, Demon's the guy I got for Florida. So he's going to get it turned around. But, I mean, with Felipe Franks, you know, he's played a lot better than he did under McElwain, but I still don't think offensively they just don't have it. Because LSU's defense might be the best in college football. So far, the, the only team that I've been able to see that can come off an emotional win like that and keep going will be our next topic, Kentucky versus Texas A&M. Well, favorite team. So, no more flying under the radar for Kentucky. So, can they make a statement here at College Station? They're coming off two big wins, three in the last four games against South Carolina, Mississippi State, Florida, all of them which were upsets, looking for another big upset this week. So, they're trying to prove they can compete in SEC East with Georgia. They only need to go 2-1 and one before the Georgia game to make it. I mean – it's looking really good for them. Um, they're the underdog, mm-hmm. which it blows my mind, quite well, honestly. And, uh, you know, I had a topic, conversation with a friend today about this. You know, it, it blows our minds when we first think about it, but when you really think about it, it's really not that unbelievable. We're talking about College Station. We're talking about the 12 men. 
you know, it's a pretty tough place to play when Kevin Sumlin isn't your head coach. Okay, Clemson comes in there this year, and that was the second week of the season. Clemson comes in, gets barely escaped with a two-point win. Shouldn't have escaped with a two-point win. I think Texas A&M was a better team in that game. So this is a tough place to play. So it doesn't blow my mind as much as it probably does you that, that Texas A&M is favored. But I can, you know, Kentucky's hot right now. Kellen Mons so. has seven touchdowns and four interceptions for the season. Think about that. Seven touchdowns and four interceptions. That is awful. But with that being said, I'm not going to go too much into it. And I, I, but then you also got to, I mean, think about when he played against Clemson. He played out of his mind. Threw for over 400 yards in that game. He looked unstoppable. And then against Alabama, he wasn't as good throwing, but rushing, he was great, phenomenal. Okay, and so with the Alabama game being said, I'm going to go ahead and talk into it. Biggest test of the season for Kentucky, who have relied heavily upon the run games as far as the season. All right. Texas a and already shut down Alabama's run game, as well as averaging 80 yards against them rushing this season. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a close game, and I have it wrote down here for me. Um, I'm looking for Kentucky's defense, who I think is one of the best defenses in the nation right now, to hold off Texas A&M here at the end, and then Benny Snell on that offensive line to come out and win big at the last minute. I, I do think it's going to be another last-minute upset for them. I, I honestly – I've haven't ever seen a team that can pull off this many upsets without finally just losing it. But I do think that they have the best chance but of doing you know, it. And I guess it is upsets because they're not favored. But, you know, when looking at their games, it's not like they're coming from behind any of these games. Mississippi State, they beat by three touchdowns. South Carolina, they beat by two. Florida, they beat by two touchdowns. But they got to pick six or something right there at the end. So – they're winning. I mean, it's not like like you said. It's not. They're not coming from behind. So that's where I want to see if they get down in this game on the road. You know, that's where we're going to really find out about Kentucky. I do believe the first quarter is going to have a big impact of that game. It it really just depends on how well they come out and start. And if they do get down and they come back and they make a good comeback at the end and they come back on I, the road, I think that'll prove to everybody Kentucky's that, for real. Yeah, you know, and this should they're a legit threat to Georgia and the SEC East. Okay, and so that's going to be into that topic. Um, now we've got Oklahoma versus Texas. My game. Are the Sooners being overlooked? I think so. I think. I agree. I, I, think, I do uh, think they are very underrated, underestimated, and overlooked. I, I, will, I will agree with people that Oklahoma's defense is not great. Is you know average. It's okay. It, it, they are in the Big Twelve. You know I think people don't look at that sometimes. Those are a lot of great offenses, but it's still they're not great. But with that being said, I don't think anybody can stop their offense for it to matter whether or not either. their defense is good or not. And I knew coming in that Oklahoma's offense would be fine because I think Lincoln Riley, it doesn't matter who he's got a quarterback, he's going to make something work. But Kyler Murray this year has just blown me and away. That right there was my – I had one more topic on our top coming out. Our, uh, I had Kyler Murray on there yeah, too. Yeah, takeaways from this month. And it was Kyler Murray in Oklahoma. And I literally beside it, all I wrote was, wow. And Every time I watch Kyler Murray play, all I can think is, "Wow, this cat's good." And when you think when you think Kyler Murray, what do you think? You're probably thinking dual threat. You're probably thinking his running ability. I'm thinking he can't throw the ball, but when I watch him, it's, it's he's so accurate. I spent today. I was watching the Will Kane show, and he was sitting there talking about how everybody's saying he's an undersized quarterback, couldn't play in the NFL. And Will Kane made the comment, "What is under undersized? Tell me one player that's been in the NFL that was undersized, and that was the reason he couldn't play." It, it there's it not doesn't one. Matter. It doesn't matter what size you are. The the dude can run the ball. He can throw He's, the ball better than most quarterbacks in college football right now. I mean, I put him up there. Him and Tua and Will Greer are probably the three best passing quarterbacks in the nation. And this dude can still run. 
I mean, it's just remarkable. I've seen dual threat quarterbacks and high, high passing numbers like Nick Marshall when he was at Auburn, but it was the kind of offense they were running. They would run, 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 and then they would throw play action for big passes. He's not doing that. He's throwing, He's going through his progressions. He's going through his first, second, third, fourth reads, and he's he's finding open guys. And he's throwing it in a tight windows, tight spot. He's making all the throws on the field. You know, and he has dynamic feet. Don't get me wrong, he is a dual-threat quarterback, but last week against Baylor, he threw for, I don't remember how many yards it was through. He had seven total touchdowns. He only had 32 yards rushing. Seven total touchdowns. Tied the school record with Baker Mayfield. Only had, you know, we, we look at him as a dual-threat guy, but he only had 32 yards rushing. Only one rushing touchdown. And let me tell you, that one rushing touchdown, he looked faster well, than Well, actually, I went seen. back and watched it. He didn't score on that play. He actually went out of bounds, the play you're thinking of. He actually scored on a QB sneak, but you're right. He bursted through just his speed, just what, like you said. It's like we couldn't even see his feet. Okay. Um, you have anything else you want to say about that game before we move on? I don't even think we said anything about the game. We just like we just want to geek out a little bit. Over. Texas doesn't have a chance. That's all. Uh, I, I don't. Know. I don't believe that. Uh, this is a game like I, I told you to stay away from as far as betting and everything. Anything can happen in this game. Last three meetings, 2014 was 31 26. 2017, 2015, uh, 29, 24, 2017. Anything can happen in this game, and a lot of times when you think, just when you think that something's not going to happen, it will. So, I'm Herman's still looking for that signature win. This could be this it. This could be it. So, I don't think that Oklahoma's just going to run away with it. They should on paper, but that's why paper doesn't decide. Um, you know, the outcome of this game. So, it could be really – I mean, I'll take, this is going to be the best defense that Kyler Murray and Oklahoma has played. And, and see, that's kind of where I'm I'm a little different. I said – my one actual note that I put on this game was I think this game will be – most likely will be an offensive showdown between a surprisingly 17th-ranked Texas, which I, I – some people might disagree. I just don't think they deserve a 17th rank. 17th last time I looked, but I don't really care. And then an over – Overlooked, underestimated, seventh-ranked Oklahoma. I, to me, Oklahoma's got this by two And it looks that way on paper. I'm, three just, touchdowns. I'm just saying. And I do get guys O'Reilly, but still. It, it's 11 a.m. It's at the Texas State Fair. The, the 11 a.m. thing, that, that, might, that might push them. Oklahoma had played an 11 a.m. game. They played good against Florida Atlanta, but they played Iowa State in 11 a.m. game, and they didn't play that great. So let's just hope Oklahoma doesn't do a party too hard Friday night. So with that being said, we're going to move on. It's probably my least favorite topic on the entire day. Notre Dame, to talk about. Notre Dame in prime time this week. Do they have what it takes to fend off Virginia Tech and crash the playoff party? Well, first of all, they're only in prime time because they're, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas play at 11 a.m. every year, so there's no other game to put in prime time. But, uh, I mean, here we are. This, you know, Notre Dame is. Un- I never would have thought they would have been undefeated at this point, but here they are. And here, here's what's scary: Virginia Tech is the highest ranked team Notre Dame is going to play for the rest of the season. At 24, Virginia Tech is the highest ranked team Notre Dame's got left on their schedule. Um, you know my my thinking of the game. I, I think Virginia Tech's going to win. Um, I, I, hope, I hope you're right. I pray I was, to God you're right. I was about, I think I told Suggs 87.2% positive. That was 82.7. Okay, 82.7% positive that Virginia Tech was going to win. I think I said that Tuesday? You said that. Monday? Yesterday. Okay, so yesterday, Tuesday. Um, today I texted him back and said 45% chance. Just no, because, I don't know. It made me freak out a little bit when it came back. <laughs> just, just because I forgot that 
Jake Johnson, Jeff Josh Johnson, Jackson. Josh Jackson, whatever, uh, JJ, the quarterback for Virginia Tech's hurt. I know too many names. Right? Yeah, same. Um, so, but, and then I got to look at the stats from last week against Duke. Quarterback that came in, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he still looked pretty good. I honestly, I think Virginia Tech has a very explosive offense. Um, I don't think their defense is that great, but I also don't think Notre Dame's offense is that great. So They looked a lot better with Ian Book, that quarterback, than they did with Brandon Wimbush. So, I, to me, that's going to be one of the better games of the day to watch. Don't really care to watch it, but that that's all I have to say about it. But, you know, and the reason why this is a topic, though, is not really because we think this is going to be some it's great the game to watch. playoff party. I mean, if they get through this, they've got a pretty – Pretty favorable schedule know. to get to the college football playoff. If they make it to the college football playoff, that's a that's a that's a bye week. I will officially be only NFL fan. I mean, in my opinion, and this is coming from a dude. We've talked about this before. A dude that likes Notre Dame, that likes the tradition there. That's a bye week for who I think whoever they play in the playoff, if they if they make it, it really is. Especially if it's Alabama. Whew. Oh shoot! I, right now. Because we're getting Did into they it. they do better than 42-14 so, like so since, we're, since we're getting into it, since it's the next, top, next topic, I'm going to go ahead and say mine. Well, it's right now it's going to be our playoff first two out after one month. Well, mine's number one is Alabama, without a doubt. I Me do too. believe they're the only actual playoff team in college football. All right, so we got we got the same number one, Alabama. Who's your two? Um, a two out right now. I'm going. I'm still going with Clemson. I'm Ohio State. Okay, and that's my number three. All right, who's your – oh, okay. My, my three is Georgia. Okay, and my number four is Oklahoma. My number four is Oklahoma. Okay. So we've got the same exact playoff, just two and three swap, which doesn't even matter. It, all, all that does is swap the uniforms. I have Georgia, not Clemson. Oh, wait, that's right. You have, never mind. I have Clemson tied at six with LSU. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to pick. And then my number five, everybody's going to disagree, but it's West Virginia just because I do believe they have what is – and Will Greer by himself makes them a playoff contender. Here's what's crazy to think about that. I saw this that Oklahoma and West Virginia played the last game of the season on a Friday night. And it'll be a heck of a game. They could possibly play that Friday night and then have to turn around and play again the next Saturday in the Big 12 Championship because the Big 12 title game, it does, there is no divisions. It's just the two best teams in the conference. They could play two weeks in a row. And just imagine if they both go one and one in those two games and then they both make it to the college football well, playoffs and have to play again. Well, can you imagine? Think about that for a second. What Three if, weeks straight. What if Oklahoma wins the first game and then loses to West Virginia in the Big 12 Championship game? In two weeks in a row, they've gone one and one. Who do you put in the playoff? What if you can only have put one? I, I, in my mind, can you I, just imagine, don't, I don't think that's a possibility. Can you imagine the implosion of the playoff? We would have eight teams in the playoff next year. Just that—that that would be what would do it. We would—that would be what we, we thought last year was going to do it. I mean, this think. I mean, can you imagine being in that room with the playoff committee trying to? Hey, you know, well, we got to go with West Virginia because they won the most recent game. I well, they won last week. I already think it should be an eight-team playoff. I feel like four is just. I think it should be two. I, I, I feel like four is just kind of singling some folks out because you can't tell me that, that I, when in the rankings it's not kind of biased, mm-hmm. the top five. And, I, and I've always said that, you know, this this might sound a little bit conspiracy related, but I've always said that they look at it more for ratings, and that was kind of why Ohio State got in that first year because it was Ohio State and they were name brand. So I think it should be eight teams too. I, I don't think that it should be eight teams on neutral side. I think the first round of the playoffs should be played 
the higher stage home. at home on, on the campuses, the higher stage be, you know, playing at home. And if they did that, they would sell so many more tickets. So many more, and you raise. But and I do understand some of the some of their thinking. You know, these are college kids, and you if you if you have to go, if you're going to go all the way to the national championship win, you have to play 15 games. Well, if we're adding another one, that's that's an NFL schedule right there. So I get that. I mean, these are college kids, but at the same time, I think you know the play. It's just sooner or later, it's, we're going to get an 18 playoff. Okay, so now that we're wasn't even on the topic schedule, but I think that but <laughs> hey, it kind of works out. Um, so with that being said, we're going to move on to our college football spread locks of the week. Uh, you give me your number three, and I'll give you my three, and we'll go work down that way. I was thinking, I was, look, I'm being you. We're on the same page this way. We didn't even Back practice time. that. So my number three this week is I'm going to go with you. You've got him. He's got he's got him listed I just on the write them down. The yeah, those are not in the order. I have them in. My number three this week is going to be. Uh, Alabama and Arkansas. Surprisingly, Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas. Surprisingly, Alabama is coming to this only a 35-point favorite, which I think is a little mind-blowing considering how well they've been playing on offense. Uh, I wasn't going to use this as a spread lock. Then I then I thought that Auburn, as bad as horrific as they played against Arkansas, they only they still beat Arkansas by 31 points. Alabama is going to easily cover that spread, baby. Yeah, Alabama's going to cover that spread easily. So that's my first spread lock. Um, so my number three, I'm sitting at Missouri to cover one and a half over South Carolina. I wow. I just uh, – South Carolina is just not that team to me. I just – everybody talked Bold, about them. They, the one and a half spread. <laughs> it is. It, it, I mean, it's plus one and a half. So all they got to do is win. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that hard. South Carolina's not that good. So that's definitely my uh, spread lock. I'll be honest with you. Put $100 on that right now because you're going to win. <laughs> Okay. Well, that brings me up to my number two, and that was going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is somehow a minus 10-point favorite in this game, which doesn't really make sense to me because Iowa State only lost to Oklahoma by 10 points, and I think Oklahoma is far and away better than Oklahoma State. I get that Iowa State had Oklahoma at home, and they got to go to Oklahoma State. I still don't buy it. Iowa that State's that team that's got – I'm really close to picking them outright. I'm not I'm not going to do it just yet. I might decide to change my mind after we do this. But for right now, I think they are going to cover that minus 10. My number two is Kentucky against Texas A&M. Sure. I've got Kentucky to cover plus five, but it's outright. Without a doubt, I think Kentucky wins by at least seven. Okay. I'm not even going to go into it just because if, if anybody knows me, I'm a big believer of the Kentucky really? wagon right now. Really? Big. I, would have I think never, Benny Snell Jr. is amazing. I'm so um, shocked. <laughs> you like Kentucky? I do. I Kentucky do. football? Really, Kentucky basketball? Both, actually. Okay. Not really. I'm a Duke fan. But. Fair. All right, so that brings me to my top spread lock of the week, and we're going to Florida State and Miami. Miami is a minus 14-point favorite, and I feel like you asked me this a couple days ago, if this is one of those games like the Texas-Oklahoma that you know can just go either way. Not – as Texas Oklahoma, I think, is more unpredictable, but this game is sort of like that. The last four meetings of these games has been really close. I think Florida State's finally starting to pick it up a little bit, finally starting to get things going. Uh, I don't like that minus 14. I still think Miami gets the win, but I don't think Miami's going to beat Florida State. By so you got Florida State covered. I got Florida State covered. Okay, I, I thought you said that you had Miami winning that spread, and I was sitting there thinking, man, there's no way. See, we, we didn't talk about this game, so I'm going to kind of go into my thoughts on it real quick. Um, the Florida State-Miami, I think this is Florida State's week to finally start putting stuff together. Uh, I was telling Suggs earlier today, I, I think Florida State's going to now, it's kind of late. It, it, I mean, honestly, four or five weeks into the season, you're getting late into the season to make a playoff push. So they can't make a playoff push at this point. But they can In make – Florida State. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think Florida State's chance for a playoff push left when they barely beat Sanford. Exactly. So. <laughs> Try not to laugh. Oh, even, I'm surprised so, that we're talking about Florida State playoff in the same sentence. I, I was just saying, so they're trying to make a bowl run, okay? And really the only way to do that is to finally figure something out. And right now their offense is terrible. Their defense is terrible. But I think this is the week they kind of start realizing. You're saying they're terrible. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. Um, there's three teams I have that's worse than them right now, and I'm not even going to go into that. Number one's Nebraska. Um, sorry. Uh, anybody that's a Nebraska fan, I would hope nobody listening to this is a Nebraska fan. Um, we're going to start getting Nebraska hate mail. Probably. But on the bright side, well, apparently we're getting listen- well, listeners, listeners more than, Nebraska. We got, we got 27 more than I thought we were going to get. So, that's pretty good. Um what I was saying, though, is I think this is the week Florida State puts it together. And what I was telling him earlier is I think Florida State is one of the big teams that has a chance to put Notre Dame out of the playoffs. So, I hope so. I hope you're right. Um, I, I think the they're going to finally figure out. I mean, I've never known a Florida State to just give up. Um, they've always kind of started to put something together at the end. I, I don't know how they do it because I, I feel like every time that they're supposed to be good, they're terrible. And every time they're supposed to be terrible, they're good. So they're one of those teams that just kind of figure something out. They're late. So my number one on the list is Syracuse over Pitt. I'm a big believer in Syracuse. They've got a really good defensive line, as we saw against Clemson. I don't, I don't care if people overrated that game to me. I feel like everybody said it was Clemson's fault, that it was that, it was that close. I feel like it was the quarterback's fault, the quarterback getting hurt. They, they came out undefeated. Syracuse, yes, they were undefeated. Um, their defensive line was getting pressure all day. I mean, that they have a really good defensive line. They have a really good defense, really good coverage. Okay, so and that being said, it's not only the defense against Pitt. They have a really explosive offense. It's only it's only five. I I see. I mean, I see Syracuse blowing that game out. Quite honestly. So I bought. I mean, watch out for Syracuse. Um, so with that being said, we're going to move into the NFL now. I have no notes on any of this, so sorry for me talking. Um, usually, I kind of have more notes on. NFL, but I wanted to talk about more college today. So, first off, we've got the Los Angeles Rams. Greatest show on turf 2.0. Yeah, I threw that in there because after their win Thursday, I started seeing a lot of that on social media. I know that doesn't make sense because they play on grass. anybody is my age or anything, like that's us, not me. that's not sucks. It's probably wondering, what in the heck are they talking about great show on turf? Because that's exactly what I asked him okay, when he said so it to me. Just, just a little rundown, if you don't know. Back when the, the Rams were in the St. Louis, they, uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, they had a really great offense. They won the Super Bowl against the Titans. They almost won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They had a really great offense with Kurt Warner. They played on turf field. It, you know, it was just you know a high-flying passing offense, and they called it the greatest show on turf. So that's where that comes from. So that being said, I know they play on grass now. So okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Are they the greatest show on grass? Uh, Mm, uh, I don't know. We'll 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 get there. I'm still I'm still very enthused with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, but uh, I think that the Rams right now they're they're my number one team in the NFL, and that's because they're they're just so bad. They're great on both sides of the ball, um, and I have to bite. You know, I have to. I'm a little. I have to bite my tongue here. Not bite my tongue. That's a bad expression. I have to admit defeat when golf was taken as the number one pick a couple years ago. I thought that was going to be a bust. It is not a bust. He's playing. And it's amazing what happens when he's drafted number one with Jeff Fisher and they look terrible. And you bring in Sean McVay, an offensive head coach, and it's amazing just the turnaround you see with that. That man is amazing. Did you watch that video of him just replaying plays yes. in his head yes. straight from I memory? I thought my memory was good. Good Lord. That man, it wasn't even like a 
like photographic memory. It was just, hey, I remember everything. Like I know it play by play, call by call. That is a, that takes a serious football mind to exactly. be able to do that. Yeah. And, and with that being said, he's, he's a great head coach. A great head coach. And he has brought the best out of Jared Goff. And Jared Goff has weapons. Brandon Cooks at receiver, Cooper Cup at receiver, Todd Gurley, maybe the best running back. And at, you know, at running back, and then, and then we he's haven't even got into the defense, the defense. exactly. Which granted, granted, right now they're two they're two corners short, but still, oh, I don't care. With the offensive explosion they have, it really doesn't matter as long as they still got a rushing defensive line. You know, with Aaron Donald, I mean, and we've talked about it. You know how much I think of their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips. I think he might want to be one of the best coordinators to ever coach in the league, and he's done it with you know not as much talent as he's got now. Um, so is there anyone as close to the Rams right now? Mm, no, I don't think so because I think they're so good on both sides of the ball. I think there's some good. There's teams that might be better offensively than them. The but, but, but like when you're just such a complete team, it makes such a difference. It's so much better than when you're just really good at one thing, and that's why they're the number one team in the NFL right now. I know we don't have those. I know there's not actual rankings, but I think if there were, it would be unanimous that Los Angeles would be the number one team. There's only one team that I think's anywhere close as good as the Rams, and I'm going to get some flack over this. Um, it's the Jaguars. I thought. Um, I thought when they get Leonard, what do you think I was going to say? Browns. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't think you were going to say the Browns. I didn't, honestly, I didn't know where you were going with that. I guess. Um, I, I do think the Jaguars are, are pretty close. They've got a great defense. Their offense so is really coming now. together. I've gotten flack over this since Blake Bortles got into the league. Everybody said he was terrible. And I've always kind of thought, hey, this guy's going to be a pretty good quarterback. It's just going to take him time to get there. He's finally got playmakers around him. He's finally settled down. He's figured it and, out. And they're, they're doing this without defense. their top running back. Fournette is barely exactly. playing all year. That's where I'm I actually to. dropped him on my fantasy team today. I was like, I'm, I'm through with this. Hey, I just can't do that yet. I have him sitting in mind. Um, so, when Fournette gets back, I do believe that'll be the one team that can rival the Rams. And you will, I will admit that you said Blake Bortles would be good eventually. I didn't think he was good up until this year, but he's definitely stepped it up this year. He looks so much better. And if he can play at that level all season and throughout the play, that was what kept him out of the Super Bowl last year because they're offensively they just couldn't keep up. They've got the best defense, most likely. Exactly. And if he can, he doesn't even have to be elite. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. He just has to be good enough. All right, so New England's Patriots. Oh, gosh, New England's Patriots. I can't talk. New England Patriots, dominant again. Is the world back to normal? Uh, I think I think so. Uh, you know, we've seen this before. New England might start off this season a little, you know, I, I can remember, uh, I think it was the year they played the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. They got roasted by, roasted, they got toasted, burned, whatever. They got beat up real bad. It's all cooked over a fire. They got beat up real bad by Kansas City on Monday Night Football early in that season. And I remember on the radio the following week, they were like, is this the end of the dynasty? Is this the end? And what do they do? They end up, you know, going to the bowl. You know what's funny to me? I feel like every time Tom Brady throws an interception or something, everybody's like, is this the end of the dynasty? Is this the end of the It's the same thing with Alabama. Every time Alabama loses, you know, is is this the end? I I will admit I was one of those people. It's got to come to an end eventually. I will admit I've been one of those people this year where I, I, I do believe the Patriots aren't the same Patriots as past. Um, even after last week's dominance, uh, I still think there's not a chance Patriots end up in the Super Bowl. Uh, I would say not a chance. I mean, we're talking about a team that's missing a lot of pieces. Julian Edelman, they're missing a lot of the guys on defense. Now, they did lose Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator. Does that make a huge difference this year? Defense wins championships. Defense wins championships, which loves to Unless say. Unless you play Madden, he loves which to say sucks. To, uh, <laughs> he loves to say to an offensive guy, I don't even play defense with Madden unless I'm having to play against somebody else. He just picks a random play and – 
it somehow works. Man, we're going to have a whole episode of just me and him playing Madden one day and record it just so y'all can listen to it. I will talk trash the entire time and still lose. Um, but with that being said, I'm just going to completely avoid this, this the rest of this topic and go straight to, can Atlanta's offense be enough to overcome bad defense for the playoffs? Why can't you just decide that we're going on the next topic? But maybe I had something I wanted to say. Well, I have the time over here. Oh, okay. Fine, whatever. One day I'm going to have the time. I'm going to control I doubt this. It, unless you want to learn how to use all this stuff, because I'd be completely happy with that, because I hate doing it. <laughs> all right, so going on to the Falcons, you know, uh, and this was a Suggs topic, and I'll get into the reason why here in a minute. Is we'll let him talk first. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's first of all, these are all Suggs' topics because I came up with every single one of them. Well, technically, I had all the college games already wrote down that you said. Okay, fine, whatever. But I can go with all the nifty names that we put next to them. Okay, you just had the games up there. But anyway, yeah, because exactly how we did it last week, and I just came up with a name for it as we went. <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. You think differently than I do. I've watched them. I've watched them against the Saints. I've watched them against the Bengals. That defense is not good. Granted, they have some injuries. Exactly. I will admit that. But injuries are not – they're still not good. You can't – you know, those injuries – those guys aren't coming back anytime soon. And they're just not a good defense. It's not terrible like you're trying to make it out to be, though. It looked pretty bad against Cincinnati. You just keep talking. I just – oh, my God. I'm just saying, I watched, and it wasn't just me. It was people, the announcers, analysts, they're, you know, they just look bad against Cincinnati now. On, on the flip side, they've got a great offense that seems to finally finally be figuring out how to score in the red zone. Finally, you know, Julio still doesn't have a touchdown, which is baffling, but, it, you know, they still got Calvary, they still got Sanu. You know, they're scoring points, but. If you're scoring 37 and uh, however many they scored against New Orleans, 41 or whatever, if you're scoring these amount of points every week and you're still losing because they're one and three right now, that that's about the problem and that's something that you're gonna have to get fixed up. And he wants me to keep talking about cool anything. Me, man, I, I'm just done with this topic. <laughs> um, what'd you say? Wait on. I didn't. I just said keep talking. <laughs> I, okay, I I get it. They're, they're not the greatest defense, but I, I don't believe they're that bad either. I've never really thought that Atlanta's defense was that great during the regular season. I always feel like their defense kind of comes out in the playoffs. Yeah, well, here's the problem with the that. Problem if you, with if it, you right, don't you know, get make it to the playoffs. If you don't get wins in the regular season, you ain't going to make it to the and playoffs. And if you start the season off 1-3, and three, it's, it's really hard to make it to the playoffs. Um, so, can they do it? I don't know. And they're and they're playing in what might be the most stacked division in the NFL. Now the Buccaneers took a. Uh, I was a big believer in the Buccaneers last week. I, I no longer am, so they're not that great of a team in my mind anymore. But you still got the Panthers and the Saints. Who called that? I'm just kidding. Okay, so with that going on, um, we're gonna go to the most hurtful topic that we have for the day. Um, Look, can, can I just say, I went. One in five in my spread locks last week. I went five and five in my picks in the paper. I had to watch my Penn State team that I put in the playoff. Uh, we're not going to get into this because I don't want to get emotional about it, but I had to watch them call the worst play call I've ever seen in my life. Penn State not in the top ten at the end of the season, Saturday. baby. So with all that, it was a pretty rough weekend. I think, okay, well, the Browns will win, you know, and that will make me feel better. Baker will get his first win as a starter. And then we get to this game. And, and Cleveland just, drops another heartbreaker. You know, it, it is. It's heartbreaking because they're three. In my mind, they're three plays away from being four and zero this season. Cleveland, 
Dude, I'm a Cleveland fan. I know, it hurts. Um, but I will say, what, they scored 42 points? 42 points. Ah, that's a win for me. <laughs> it's been so it's long since they it's scored not, 30. It's not good when you score 42 and you still lose. That's problem. And I don't feel like the defense did that bad of a job. I, we got railroaded with penalties. Especially there at the end when uh, the refs decided to give them – the ball when we went for it on what well, they, they said it was fourth down. We were a solid two yards past the line. All the replays, everybody on the announcers were sitting there talking about it was a terrible call, and then we had to punt it there at the end. Gave them a chance to tie it up, you know. I was just like, "Good lord, we're about no. to have another tie." I, I actually tweeted about that. I was yeah, like, I know you did. And then I was like, "Man, I wish we would have had that tie." But uh, I didn't want to break this game down because I spent more time looking at this game and listening to people talk about this game than I did anything more this weekend. Because he is now a Cleveland Browns fan. Which I said, you know, and I will admit it's because of Baker Mayfield. I said before the season when he got drafted, I said as soon as he becomes a starter, you know, I'm going to become a so, Browns fan. But I will, but I, but when I say that, I'll admit that I, Baker's what drew me there. But I'm not one of those guys that says, I'm, well, I'm a Browns fan, but I only like Baker. As I, actually, Baker's I know fan, the players. Uh, yeah, so do I. As a Baker's fan, what do you think about his first start? Uh, I'm going to say B. B to B minus. I think some. I saw some people give him an A minus, and I saw some people give him a C plus. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the middle and say B minus. I'm gonna be a pretty harsh critic here. I don't. Four turnovers. You know, I'll let you talk in a minute. Four turnovers is not great. It's not. But uh, when you're a rookie making your first start and you go out there and you score 42 points to a team that hasn't for a team that hasn't scored over 30 in a long time, I mean he looked great and his his passer rating his completion percentage wasn't great. He was 21 of 41. A lot of that was drops. But in, yeah, his coach head coach came out and said that he had nine that they had nine drops in that game. So you add that that's 30 out of 41. It looks a lot different now. But here's one of the things that I really liked about Baker is he came out after that game and there wasn't no finger pointing, there wasn't no excuses. He hold he took. He took all the mistakes. He, he he took ownership of all of it. The turnovers, the draws. He said he in the draws it wasn't their fault. He needed to put the ball in better places. What quarterback does that? Um, so what rookie quarterback making his first start does that? I can't think of one. But I'm going to be a pretty harsh critic about it. I, I know it was his first start. I know he's a rookie. Uh, I still feel like the two fumbles. That, that's well, and at the time. I wasn't th- I, when I during real time. I wasn't thinking those were mostly his fault. But I, I got to as I watched him again, and I listened to Joe Thomas talk a little bit about it. He said that um, you know the, the the center fumble exchange that that was a big one he talked about. And it's because college quarterbacks don't go under center. You know they have to. Well, yeah. Todd Haley went over this in Hard Knocks. Um, they have to go through months of mm-hmm. just teaching a quarterback how to take snaps yeah. under center. And so I, I I do I can believe that one. And I can understand it. Well, here, here's the problem that I wasn't paying attention to when I was watching the game and thinking about it. You know, I just saw that he was making reads and checks, and the ball got snapped to him, and I was thinking the center snapped it. Well, what happened, and Thomas explained this, is when you're on the road, you have silent counts. You have different ways. Well, he initiated that silent count, and the offensive linemen have, you know, they count to a 1-1,000, and then they snap it. Well, he initiated that silent count, but then he just saw something he wanted to do. He's making checks. Well, he's done initiated it. So that's on Baker, you know. So a lot of the – when I watched him, I was only thinking that one interception was on Baker. Really, they were all him, but I'm not going to get to it. I don't think – I'm going to go – you asked me what I, I thought of his performance. Be minus as well. Now, another thing I did hear you to say is Baker had 42 points. The offense had 42 points. Oh. And I'm not taking it away from Baker. He's quarterback, so a lot of that is him. But you cannot tell me, is it Sonny Michelle or is it the other one? Uh, Nick, Nick Chubb. Chubb. Nick Chubb. Okay, sorry, Nick Chubb. 
Looked great. Absolute should be the rookie MVP of the league. He was, and he was. Um, I think. I think he was. Two two huge runs that saved that offense. It felt like they were just sputtering there at moments, and then he'd come out there, two touches, two touchdowns there on those two runs. And it was just like, wow, where has this been? Um, and I'm not taking anything from Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde isn't one of those just He's big playbacks. Carl, Carlos Hyde is a workhorse. And Nick Chubb showed and me something this week. And that's going to make a great one-two punch. Yeah, and Nick Chubb showed me something this week that I didn't expect to see this early from him. And it, it looked like he was – I mean, he had breakaway speed. He got out in front of people, and they were running stride for stride, and all of a sudden he was just gone. And I, I do hey, believe hey, that hey, he saved hey. Baker's chances yeah. there. Well, so, they, you know, they've got Carlos Hyde, like you said, the workhorse. They've got Nick Chubb. If he can be that – that guy that gets those big runs. Well, then you got Duke Johnson, who's a great third down running back and catch passes out of the backfield. They've got weapons. Exactly. And so, from my aspect, I'm giving Baker a C plus. It's it's not terrible. It's not great. But I've seen him play before. I know that he can improve from it. And I, I know that it being the first game, I know he's going to improve from it. That was something that he needed. He needed to have a bad game. He needed to have turnovers. He needed that to become a better quarterback. And I think with that going through, we have what's the realistic expectation for the Browns for this year. Um... I do believe that they're going to have three, four more wins. I don't see them necessarily making the playoffs now because they really needed that win this week. It's still possible. Though. It's still possible, but I, I don't see them it winning depends, now. It depends on how they do in this next three-game stretch. Yes, and I, I do believe Baker's going to show a much more improved self because I, I know from watching Baker in the past in college, he makes mistakes. That's all he cares about that whole week is fixing that mistake. And so this week, I expect to see Baker come out. I said 300 yards last week, 300 yards this week, because he had 295 last week, which which hurt me. Here's, really hurt here's me. what's big for Cleveland they should take away from that game. You know, the team just looked different. It looked – you could just feel the energy. I mean, he just – Baker being out there – and I'm not disrespecting Tyrod. I think Tyrod's a decent quarterback. Yes. But Baker just brings something. And it's not just because of his arm and because he can throw passes downfield. It's the energy and the leadership that he brings. And even as a rookie, he not, brings that. Not even that. Watching the game – see, I've been a Cleveland fan for a while. And, and watching the games, it was kind of like, hey, these guys are just out there hoping to win. This week, it looked like they were out there knowing they could win, and they just lost. Here, here. And, and that's something that I haven't seen in a long time. Here was something that was telling to me. They go up 28-14. They get the ball back. Oakland gets that strip fumble. From then on, it looked like Oakland had all the momentum. They came back, took the lead 34-28 with like eight minutes left to go in the fourth. Cleveland's doing nothing. They are sputtering. They go down 34-28 after leading the whole game. They score two touchdowns and take the lead back. Now, I know that they ended up giving up the lead and they ended up losing, but still, for them to be in that situation, I think Cleveland of the old, when that happens, when they go down 34-28, they're done for. They're not coming back. That's a sign of improvement. That's something that Cleveland fans, I think, should be happy about if they're already besides those two that actually listen to this. Um, go Browns. So, I, I think that's kind of the end of our Cleveland rant here. Um with that, we're going to move on to NFL spread locks. Uh, what's your number three? Ooh, what is my number three? Where is our NFL spread locks? Oh, there they are. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, again. Okay, I like uh, I like how you gave it a chance, though, to try to see what my number three well, I would is. hope the Bills was your number one because that was going to be my number one, but I decided that would be different than you. Okay, all right. So uh, my, my number three coming in is the uh, Panthers and the Giants. The Panthers are coming in minus seven. The Giants... <laughs> I hate to be mean because 
I, I do like Eli, but they just look terrible right now. See, this is where we're going to be different. I they actually have the Giants awesome. winning that game. You have the Giants beating the Panthers. I do. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Uh, I do not agree with that at all. The Panthers are minus seven. I think they get that easily. Um, that's <laughs> that's my law. You maybe you you can say why you don't think that, but as far as my spread log, I'm going with the Panthers minus seven. Okay. So my three, you're going to be a little different about. I've got the Falcons to cover against the Steelers plus three. I've got the Falcons winning outright. Why would I be different about that? Well, you don't think their defense is very good. I don't think the Steelers' defense is that great either. But the Steelers' offense is pretty good. So, I mean, but I don't, I don't know. I just figured you might be. But I do hey, believe – Last week I had Atlanta as my number four team in the NFL. I do believe the Falcons keep the Steelers under 14. And this will be the week that I show you the defense okay, isn't so I, bad. I don't agree with you And that that's much. where I was getting into it at. I do do think they hold them pretty good. The Steelers just doesn't have it going on like they should. Without Le'Veon Bell, they can't figure it out. I do think it's going to be a big week for Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I'm just proud that I got his name out correctly that fast. I was pretty impressed with myself, so I don't even know if I can finish my sentence now. Um, but they're going to shut down the run game because I do believe that. That's why I'm a big Falcons defense believer is their run defense is spectacular. But we're, we're in a league that's all about the pass again. I, I get that. I get that. But that means they're going to get pressure, too. And Big Ben just hasn't looked like Big Ben. So I got Falcons winning. And it's only a plus, they're plus three. So I've been, they're going to cover in my mind. Uh, I wouldn't put your money on that. I did. But nobody else probably will. My number two is uh, it's not going to be the number one you thought was. Uh, the Titans and the Bills. The Titans are coming in this. Uh, it's minus. Three and a half. The Titans are coming into this minus three and a half. Welsh does not like the Titans, and I'm, I'm not a fan of them, but the three and one at the point. They've got to win over the Jaguars. Hey, they've hey, got to win I, over the Eagles. I told you, to, I put that one at number one for you because I think the Bills are terrible. That being said, I think the Bills are about to turn it around. I put the, for you, I put the Titans Bills at number one because that's where I would have put them. But everything I've been reading, is I honestly think the Bills might win this game. I don't, I don't think so. I think Tennessee gets this win. It's only minus three and a half, so that's an easy spread in my uh, mind to cover. I mean, we, we keep thinking of it, but here they are, three and one. I mean, they're, they're not, they might be the worst three and one team I've ever seen, but they're still three and one. That's all that matters. My thing is, week one, I had Mariota playing quarterback in my fantasy league, and I just can't get over it. That was terrible. So, I, the mind's biased, without a doubt. I just don't like the Titans. They're the closest team to us, and I just I don't like them. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just don't. They're like Alabama to me. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't dislike them. Yeah. So, um, what number am I at? Two? Two. I've got the Rams minus seven and a half over the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks' defense is terrible. I think the Rams are going to light them up. And then their defensive front's so good. And Seahawks' offensive line is so bad, I don't think they have a chance. Um, I agree. You know, I, I would say they have – if. If Russell Wilson can be the Russell Wilson of pass and get the ball out of there before he gets sacked, he might because the Rams' coverage is going to be pretty bad with two corners out. We saw it last week where they were just giving up a lot, but they made a lot. So I'm not trying to down Russell Wilson, but when you say the Russell Wilson of the past, Russell Wilson was basically what A.J. McCarron uh Jay Coker was an Alabama team. He was a good game manager that I had a great. I have not heard that name in a long time. Which one? Jay Coker. Jay Coker, <laughs> national championship what quarterback. Happened to that cat. He he went he went he got a tryout for the Cardinals I think and didn't make it. Uh, the you know national championship quarterback that got replaced by Cooper Bateman at one point in that season. Well, I mean, AJ McCarron made TV pass this week when the Browns came. Right. He was yeah. in the huddle with a. Uh, 
But going back to my point, Sorry. Russell Wilson was a game – he was a good football player. I mean, to be a quarterback in the NFL and win a Super Bowl, you have to be good. But he was more of a game manager that had Marshawn Lynch, had a great defense. Now he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have Marshawn Lynch. He doesn't have that great defense. He doesn't defense. have receivers either. Uh, Russell Wilson, to me, is not a guy that's – if you go like, look, Russell, I need you to come out here and make great plays and win us this game. No, not against the Rams. Okay. So what's your number one? My number one is the Cowboys and Texans. And I've been waiting all year for the Texans to finally show up, and it seemed like they finally showed up last week in the win over the Colts. Um, the Texans the are – I'm trying, looking at it right now. The Texans are a minus three in a point spread. At home, Deshaun Watson finally seems to be getting back to form that he was last year pre-injury. Mainly, though, I'm picking, I'm picking this because – I do not. I do not believe in the Cowboys. And see, I knew that was coming, so I waited not to interrupt yet. Last week, Cowboys they started doing something that they should have started doing week one, handing the dadgum ball to off. Zeke to Zeke and letting him manage the game for him instead of Dak, which is why I think they beat the Texans. And it's also a reason that I think the Giants win against the Panthers this week. Okay, so this year Saquon Saquon has went off, has went off so far. But he's yet to this season to get the ball three consecutive plays. And they said after the game that they were going to work on their run game more because they realized that that's what's going to happen. This week they're going to have to run the ball. And I do believe this is the week they finally figure it out and they give Saquon the ball more. And that's why I believe that the Giants can beat the Panthers because once they have that run game initiated, it opens up a little bit of their pass game. And I think Eli Manning is just enough of a quarterback to make those passes. I like how we just went on a whole tangent about Panthers and Giants when I've already talked about them. I'm sorry. We're at Cowboys I've just been waiting. I knew. Why did you say that? We're because about- I knew we were going to get to those Cowboys-Texans, and I just knew without a doubt with I- the Texans on there, you were going to pick the Texans because I know how much of a Texas fan you were before this season started. Well, I just – I mean, first of all, defensively, the Texans are good. They've got J.J. Watt. They've got, they've got good players on defense. They've got a good defensive line. I'm not saying that the Texans are going to go out there and blow out the Cowboys, but I'm saying that, look, I, Zeke might have a great game. Do I think it's going to be enough to get them to win? No. Now, I feel like if Dak has to if Dak has to make some plays to win this game, I'm just – I feel like any time, if you can force the Cowboys to pass, I feel like that's going to be their day because the, he's got no weapons. Their leading receiver is Cole Beasley, and their second leading receiver is Ezekiel Elliott. And unless you're Caleb Suggs playing Madden, Cole Beasley cannot be your leading receiver. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, five yard reception. Five yard. If you get five yard reception every time, you're gonna get down the field. Exactly. So uh, my number one, I've got the Bengals minus six and a half over the Dolphins. Uh, no big reason there. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's pretty good for the Dolphins to me, but I just don't think they can do it against the Bengals' offense. Cincinnati looks like a good team. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I want I want to go back. I don't. I don't think the Falcons are a bad team. Cincinnati played really good last week. They're, they look – Andy Dalton looks like a good quarterback. I never thought I'd really say that because I never really thought he was that great. But they do look good. The world, dude. I mean, we're talking – I mean, they could be the, – they might be the best team in the – I can't think of AFC North. Is that the AFC North? AFC, I have no idea, I'm, It's, it's whatever division that the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens are in. They might be the best team out of that division. So – uh, yeah, your pick of uh, Bengals minus six and a half, that's a pretty good pick. Okay, and uh, with that, we're going into our final segment. And after I get through with it, I'll let Suggs go over a little recap of whatever he wants to talk about. Um, so we've got the fantasy starter number seven for this week. I'm just going to fly through them real fast. There's no reason to really talk about them. Number one for stardom, I've got Carryon Johnson. Two is Phillip Rivers. Three is Tyler Boyd. Uh, my sit is Jared Cook, Eagles defense, and Andrew Luck. Um, that's pretty much a reason. I, the, the one that I really only care about talking about is carry on. The Lions have figured out he's their running back. They, they've given him the ball. They realize. Or Eagle. 
Or Eagle. They've realized that he's the man that can finally get something done for him, and I, I love it. Honestly, I, I do. I love seeing Carry On finally succeed in the NFL. I, I feel like he's he's that. I think he worked his tail off at Auburn. I was I was a little skeptical about him leaving there at the junior year, but I, I kind of kind of knew it was a good decision because I wasn't sure how they would be able to use him this year with a pretty crappy offensive line. So uh, with that, we'll let Subs do any kind of recap or talking. Let's talk about. Uh, I we really covered everything. I, I really hope that I have a better weekend this weekend because I'm not sure I could have another weekend I like you I do had. Because I was I was a borderline depressed. It was that bad. And you know all the betting I do, I, I get I get to hear you all the time tell me how I make bad picks or how I should just give up betting. And then last week you went one and five, oh, right? My goodness. One and five, and I was sitting there going four and two, and I was like, "Yep, terrible. I'm sorry, bud." Um, but I, it's hard. It's and I figured I'm never doing. I'm never picking spread locks for teams that I have any sort of vested interest. And in. see, that's where I kind of got into. I told you NFL. It's, it's harder to pick a team in the NFL to win a spread because it's such evenly based teams. You know your NFL talent. So um, that's the end of this episode. Thank you for well, listening. You know, uh, before we oh. get into that, I would like you know I would like to say this may sound a little stupid, but I would like to say thanks for all of the listen to our first episode last week. Uh, we got. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make this sound like we got a ton of listeners, but we got a lot more than I think we thought we were gonna get for that first episode. So I was really thankful for those our friends that you know listen, people that follow me on Twitter, people that follow Welch on Twitter. Shout out to Gracie for shouting yeah, us out on Twitter. Gracie George for that shout out on Twitter. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I would like to say one thing that I thought was pretty funny. Um, I, earlier in the show, I said we got 27 more than I thought we were going to. I thought originally we were gonna have three. Me, Suggs, and one of our moms was probably gonna listen. We, to ended it. Up, we ended up with. Um, the, the next day, no, two days after I posted it, we had 30. And I think I looked today and we were at 60-something, which to me, that's that's a win. I, I'll be honest. I almost wrote on the board today, Milestone 100 listeners, because I was like, wow, we're almost there. But to me, 30 listeners, 60 listeners, uh, that's that's pretty impressive for two guys sitting in a back bedroom back yeah. here with two desks that doesn't know what the heck we're doing. Hey, Doug. <laughs> I would also like to say I talked a little bit about this about someone that listened to our podcast last week. Um, I know, you know, I don't want Alabama fans out there to think that we're biased just because we're Auburn fans. Uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get to talking about some Alabama stuff. But right they now – They have to quit dominating everybody for us to do that. There's to nothing about. to talk about besides dominance. Uh, you know, I, I made a joke that maybe we're just going to do a month-long preview for the LSU game because that's really all we can do right now. But, you know, hopefully we will get to talk about the Crimson Tide a little bit more other than just, hey, they beat another team by 49 points. Did you see that? Two, two was out by the first quarter. The only thing I was mad about is I didn't get the spread this week because they gave up 14 points. But, and the dang uh, student section didn't show up. Did you see that? I saw that, but it ain't no more worse than the, the fans that we had Saban after that rain was delay. not happy. I mean, did, <laughs> is he ever happy? Can, can, we, can we say anything? Would, would we have five people after the rain delay? Uh, do you blame them? It was a two-hour, 44-minute rain delay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we almost got beat. <laughs> I wouldn't would have stayed. All right. With that being said, are you done? I'm oh, done. Okay. I'm done. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this is the end of Showtime Sports Talk. Uh, see you next week.